Welcome to Cancer for Breakfast with Amy and Steph. I'm Amy. And I'm Steph. try to make cancer for breakfast safe and comfortable for everyone, it may not be suitable for all audiences and is intended for informational and educational purposes only. It is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We're not doctors. We didn't even go to podcasting school. Welcome, everybody, to Cancer for Breakfast. My name is Amy. My name is Stephanie. And this is really funny um, to us because we're starting a podcast together as co-hosts. And this is literally the first time we've ever like heard each other's voices or had like an actual conversation that wasn't via text. Yes, I can see your face moving when you talk. <laughs> It's like when I had internet friends in 1996, but I didn't have to buy a train ticket to Philadelphia. Oh my God, so funny. (laughs) I literally thought of that example last night when I was going to sleep. And it's like in literally 1996, when I was talking to Psycho Boy 66 from Arizona on AOL chat. (laughs) And like, I can imagine like my kind of made up fantasy was like him coming to like the Medford, Oregon, Barnes and Noble to meet me at the Starbucks for the first time (laughs) after we've like been talking for two years. And then like, it just kind of not, you know, like we're just kind of like, no, no chemistry. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like not even romantic. It doesn't matter, but just the friendship thing. And then you get back on the computer and geez, Louise, but I don't. And you have to change your screen name. (laughs) Okay, so we're now doing this podcast together as we're meeting face-to-face, and we're talking about the very light subject, um, cancer, that we both now know a lot about and know nothing about because it's so complex, but we are both cancer people all this yes yes cancer people is a category of people that you may not have known existed before becoming one yeah Um, what a transformation yes and we are different types of cancer people because i have metastatic breast cancer which means it's the incurable type and amy you don't I have stage two. Well, I guess I can say I had because I've technically completed my treatment a few months ago. Um, But we can go all into what that means um, in a later episode. I don't know. It's I could talk forever about it, even though I'm barely able to speak about it at this particular moment in coherent (laughs) words for some weird reason. But essentially, I am positive that cancer is crawling all over me at every moment, even though my doctor says it's probably not. Yes, the PTSD from from just having cancer in the first place and all of the complex feelings around traumatic around every single part of it. Yeah. And I, my take on how you and I differ about our approaches to this, I think are funny um, and might make us hopefully good co-hosts um, is like, I 
am very fearful to find out certain stuff. Like I don't read books about cancer. I like, I would not listen to this podcast. If I saw it, I would be like, yeah, I don't I, you know, like maybe if a friend explained it to me and made it feel safe yes, enough, yes, you I would need a do it. Pre-reader. But I do get so triggered and it's everywhere I look and there's n- that's part of the thing that just sucks about cancer. Like I'm sure, you know, before I went through this, I was so freaked out by cancer or poor the poor sad people that had cancer you know like I was somebody that like would rather donate money to somebody that needed it than like read a bunch about it or like go to the gala where you like hear people or like you know it's just like "Ah, I just don't really want to hear about that right now because I don't want to get sad you know but let me know how I can help and then suddenly you like are one of those people well, Steph is, as I was saying, how I am the triggered one who like won't Google anything. Like everything I know about my cancer and everything is because my doctors speak to me in appointments and my friends tell me things in like my support group or talking to other people that I've met. I I just don't Google things. I'm so terrified that I'm going to like accidentally read something that's going to describe exactly something that I didn't even think was related. That's going to mean some other thing, like whatever. But Steph, this is what I was getting at with it is like during her like diagnosis before she even knew what stage she was or what was going on, but she knew she had cancer. She's like reading cancer books. And and I'm just like, what are you doing? You (laughs) absolute psycho. Don't read those. But there's absolutely nothing wrong with reading those. You should read those. Um, but for me, don't read those. <laughs> yeah, no, know your limits because I also ended up having the worst case scenario, you know? So my situation was that little chapter in every book that was like, don't read this if you don't have metastatic breast cancer. And I did in the beginning kind of skip that. Um, and Still, I think that there's so much, even if you are a researcher, there's so much to be upset by. And um, one thing my oncologist always stresses to me is not to Google because you have no filter on your Google and you'll end up reading some study from 1997 that has uh, no basis in current medicine and, you know, it'll tell you you have four months to live. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, meanwhile, you're on a treatment that's only been around for two years. So right. um, research carefully is my my motto. I definitely do not go ham on any old website, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I will be your Googler. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um <laughs> And part of what I want this podcast to be is like, it doesn't, I mean, it's sad, but like meeting other people with cancer has been like the coolest part of being diagnosed and has helped me so much. And it took me a while to actually kind of get there. And a part of it was because I think I was so afraid of like somebody else telling me their story and me thinking that was going to be my story instead of me understanding that like we're all so freaking different and our types and our you know 
what's going to happen, or like whatever, you know, and when it's going to happen. I had to kind of wrap my brain around that, but I think too, what's the most helpful for me is knowing those tidbits that nobody else could tell you other than somebody who has been a cancer patient. Yes. Like one thing I tell everybody that I'm talking to about the sort of cancer sisterhood that is really problematic in a lot of ways, but um I always reference the time, Amy, that you told me that when you get a bone scan, they inject you with this dye and it makes you feel like you're going to pee your pants. And you're already feeling like so vulnerable. You. I was like, okay, check it out. You need to know this about tomorrow. I just wanted to warn you. Yes, because you are... You're already feeling so vulnerable and so completely without any control over the situation. And what's worse than just spontaneously feeling like you have pissed yourself? It's so weird (laughs) for anyone who like hasn't had that particular type of scan. It really is so weird. They inject something into your IV. And I mean, I assume they tell everybody that particular sensation because it is so strong. I hope. Well, what? Because if they what they told me was that you'll feel some warmth in your throat. Oh my gosh, they didn't tell you. That's amazing. See, my they woman did not told tell me. me, and then immediately afterwards, I was like, "If you hadn't told me that, I literally would have been laying in the scan machine or whatever they're called." Because I don't even know. Um, and I would have been like, "Oh, it's so bad that I'm like getting my bones scanned, but now I just peed all over their machine. Like, how did I just pee?" But it's it's just whatever they inject in you. It makes you feel that way. Yeah, I mean, anything to cut down on that endless cycle of sort of humiliation and demoralization. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I hope to bring <laughs> to the masses with this podcast. Yeah, there's so much. Stuff. I want to tell oh, you. I want to tell you people of the world when it's going to suddenly feel like you've peed your pants. (laughs) I also told you that you were going to get to listen to music and one of your other scans or did no, you told me that. Yes, yes, yes. I did. Well, I told you that I got to. And um, that was another really hilarious, you know, like you got to just take the comedy where it comes. Mm -hmm. And uh, I felt really put on the spot. And so I told my the the scan uh gal what I wanted to listen to and I thought of Big Thief the band mm-hmm, Big Thief mm-hmm. cuz I knew it was on Spotify and um she went and turned on Spotify and uh it started the scanner started playing Big Keef <laughs> um which is fine you know like what it's great I I like Big Keef also, but um, not necessarily. <laughs> not, the. That's not Adrian Lanker. It's not um, maybe mixed company appropriate mm-hmm. for while you're getting a CT scan. Um, and she came back out looking puzzled and was like, was this it? Is this what, <laughs> what you meant? <laughs> and I had to say, no, it was not what I meant. Big thief, thief, thief. <laughs> She got it. I love it. I love it. That is like a prime example of some of the types of stories we hope to share on this podcast from people that want to contribute. Like, we're not going to read any letters or emails. Um, 
in this initial podcast because we're asking you to send some in to us. But we just want this to be kind of a place where you can hear people um, talking about weird things that happen or funny things or like weird misunderstandings or just the stuff that we all see. And, and, you know, when you tell somebody that isn't a cancer person, sometimes they don't like know how to react or like if it's okay for them to laugh or if they're supposed to comfort you or whatever. And like, it's sometimes it's a little bit fun just to like vent and talk a little bit of shit, you know? Um, but that would yeah. be a perfect story <laughs> to share. <laughs> yeah. It does not all have to be weeping and, and uh, survival rate statistics, no. um, because that is the thing nobody wants to really read about Mm-mm. or hear about. Um, so we will not trigger you yeah, on purpose, at least. Um, <laughs> well, another s- segment, when you listen to this um, Cancer for Breakfast podcast, Steph and I will probably do a little bit of this kind of chatting it up in the beginning um we'll read some letters that hopefully are relatable for many of us and then we will present something really cool going on in cancer research so in a way Steph is googling for us (laughs) that's right (laughs) and yeah so I think I think that sounds like a cool podcast to listen to that you know, regardless of what type of cancer you have, you know, we both have breast cancer, but this isn't specifically only a podcast about that. We'll cover studies about other types of cancers. If you want to send us a cool study that you know about, send that along too. Um, what do you think, Steph? Yeah, I, I personally, my only experience prior to being diagnosed with breast cancer was, uh, two friends, um, one of whom had pancreatic cancer and, She didn't know anybody who had had cancer before her and um, another friend who had colon cancer. And um, I think that it's just, you know, it can feel so lonely there in the beginning when you don't know anybody who uh, can tell you those little tidbits of information that make you feel like you have a little bit more control Mm -hmm. um, or who can give you the hot tips, um, you know, about where what websites are safe and aren't going to tell you you're about to die yeah. <laughs> or whatever. Or like only drink celery um, juice. Yes. Yeah. All of the, all the wackadoo things mm-hmm. that are out there targeting people with, um, with cancer of all shapes and sizes. Um, so yeah, hit us with all of your cancer stories. Yeah. And we have an Instagram and we have a Gmail. I'll just say that now it, it will obviously be written um, in the notes of the podcast. Um, but the Gmail is just cancer for breakfast at gmail.com. And our Instagram is just cancer for breakfast. Yay. Yay. We'll post be- behind the scenes uh, pictures of me fiddling with my headphones and hair. <laughs> We're and, both in um, closets right now, which I think is like fun to like I feel kind of safe talk you know if I have to like talk about something as scary as having cancer at least I'm like in a small closet surrounded by coats like I'd rather be here or maybe in the bathtub I can't imagine like a more comfortable place to hide yeah 
It's the quintessential, I think, location for moms podcasting about <laughs> cancer during a pandemic. <laughs> oh, God. Um, yeah. I do hope that some of the stuff that people choose to share might resonate with listeners if it's something that they've felt but haven't known as normal. Because for me, so many times... Um, especially in the beginning before I had a lot of friends or before I had joined this like really great support group for like young women in breast cancer that we have here. And I live in Portland. Um, like I just remember being at that first support group and asking the telling the group, I felt like I said, like a dark thought, which I'll share with you guys at some point, but like, let's not get too dark in this first episode. But I talked about <laughs> something because sometimes you have these dark thoughts and like, personally, I don't want to tell my partner that I'm like having the worst, like thoughts about dying. You know, we have a baby and stuff. And it's just like, I don't, I don't want to bring him into what he already knows. I'm probably thinking, but there's sometimes doesn't feel like there's a lot of people to like get super dark with. And so I kind of like said some, some dark things. And then like the whole room kind of was just like, of course we feel that way. Like you, idiot. and I was like, you do. And they're like, yes. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, I mean, I guess I'm normal. So like, I'm not yeah, a psycho. Yeah. <laughs> and being in a place, uh, where you can do that safely without having to manage other people's mm -hmm. emotions and responses is so valuable because you can't fully share mm -mm. that burden if you with your loved are ones. also feeling guilty and, you know, worried about your loved ones. Yeah, because they're so worried um, about you and they don't want you to be sad and they they're just worried about you. And they so often I have found have questions that I do not want to answer. Mm. And I want to tell them just you don't want that answer either. <sighs> but <laughs> like, I, I understand why you're asking. But no, like you need to back off a little bit. I got so many questions about prognosis mm -hmm. um, right when I sort of announced I came out as a person with cancer and uh so many people were like what's your prognosis i was just like don't fucking ask me that i, know. <laughs> I don't know why do you why do you care <sighs> it's a lot man it is. I also wanted to say though that um there was a gal in one of my metastatic uh facebook groups and i want to say please don't be put off by our um warnings about being too big of a bummer or whatever, because this poor gal had said she had just gotten dumped by a couple of friends and an entire uh, young cancer support group um, because she has metastatic disease. And they were all like, dude, you're you're too intense. You're too much. You're uh, you're sad about it. She wrote some sad poetry and shared it. And they were like, uh, get the fuck oh out of here gosh. with your with your bummer poems and she was just so sad about oh it God, and come get in this closet um, with me girl you're okay. I know right um so there's plenty of room for all of your multifaceted uh experiences it doesn't have to be all jokey oh, hell no it doesn't 
cutting up, but, um, you know, when I, when I say, um, we're not going to try to trigger you, I mean, we're not going to say statistically Mm -hmm. women with stage three, grade Mm -hmm. two breast cancer died of that rapidly. (laughs) Right, right, right. Yeah, no, we're not gonna, we're not gonna do that, but all comers, please share your sads as well as your jokes yeah and you can be anonymous or if you like have a very active instagram that you think the cancer community might want to know about we'd be happy to shout that out as well um whatever you are comfortable with is totally fine um yeah basically that's what's up yeah um, do you, I'm excited to hear from people I am too. So yes, cancer for breakfast at gmail.com and Instagram cancer for breakfast. Tell your friends if you think that this might be something that they would like to listen to. Um, Steph, do you want to present a study this episode or do you want to save that for the next one or what, how do you feel? Yeah, I have an article um, that I read that was really, really cool and interesting. And I promise everything is not going to be about metastatic breast cancer. <laughs> that just happened to pop up this time for me. Um, but I did volunteer for Amy to be a sort of uh, clearinghouse for all of the um research and all of the articles so she can um, not feel like she's going to come across something super scary. (laughs) And I promise not to also burden anybody else, any of our listeners with anything too gloomy. Um, I mean, but this most, I can't imagine us picking any research that was like, oh, they found out soda water makes you die in two years. You know, like we're not going to (laughs) like, that's interesting. I drink soda water. It's going to be like, isn't this cool? Science is a fucking badass, right? Yes. And that's kind of the great thing where I, I feel like I can tell the um, legit cancer sources from the not legit ones because my oncologist, my medical oncologist, my radiation oncologist, my surgeon, immediately they were like, there is nothing you did. There is nothing you could have done differently. Bodies are weird. Cells are weird. There's no celery diet mm-hmm. that's going to cure you. It's not because you ate too much tofu. Just like get it all out of your system now. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the flip side of that is there are so many people on the Internet that want to sell you their diets and make you feel guilty about choices you've made. And uh, I think that none of it matters. Interesting that you bring that up because my oncologist is the same way, which I really appreciate. And like. I don't really talk to her about pondering why or what I I did, but I did say to her, like, I drank so much in my 20s. And like, yeah. I, I, yeah. like I was a nightlife promoter. I was basically paid to drink and I smoked cigarettes. And she literally was just like, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, you know, like she yeah. was just like, <laughs> maybe, I don't know. And like, just like, who cares? Like, here we are. Let's try and do what we can do, you know? Yes. Yeah. Don't look back in anger, as Oasis would say. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so go on, go on. All right. So this article um, is on healthcentral.com, which does seem to be a reputable site. Um, I did try to, you know, stuff. 
pre-screen, no quackery. Um, so there is a content note. If you, if you do plan to go read this article yourself, uh, they do talk about survival rate statistics here and there. It's not a consistent, uh, topic in the article, but it does mention it a little bit. So, um, be warned if you're going to go search the article out for yourself. Um, but anyway, it talks about how there are three main types of metastatic breast cancer that, um, it's not just one disease. And um, this is something that hasn't really been known for too terribly long. You know, it's um, the research in the medicine with breast cancer is evolving really quickly. Um, so much so that I had a girlfriend who um, was diagnosed with breast cancer uh, 20, over 20 years ago. And when I asked her if she could give me any advice, she was like, no, girl, it's a totally different disease now. I have nothing to offer you. It's it, I, my experience was totally different than mm-hmm. yours will be. So um, anyway, so uh, metastatic breast cancer isn't one, just one disease. There's, there are these three main types. Um, there's triple negative breast cancer, uh, which means you're uh, not hormone receptive. You're not her two. These are all breast cancers too. Right. Yes. You can. Be, yes. All. Any. You can be stage cancers. one and triple negative, or triple positive. Right. Right. Okay. Go on. Yeah. So the thing about this that is interesting to me is that, um, for good reason, kind of, you know, the research and the money is tends to be focused on the first three stages, the curable stages, because those are the ones that have the best success rates. You know, you want to catch them early. You want to avoid recurrence. Uh, and metastatic disease is just kind of a, a numbers game. So it hasn't gotten as much attention or funding. Which is but, insane to me. Right. I mean, seriously. Um, but... The triple negative breast cancer, there's two new drugs lately, um, just in the past five years that have come out. They're Keytruda and Tecentric. And I always think of, I don't know if you have TV, I do, but uh, I see the ads on TV for these breast cancer drugs and everybody looks like they're just having a grand old time (laughs) playing with their grandkids and going on hikes. Um, But Keytruda and Tecentric are uh, two immunotherapy drugs that basically they're using to awaken the immune system in new ways. So that plus chemo has uh, extended people's lives pretty significantly as far as metastatic disease goes. Um, and then for hormone receptor positive breast cancer, which is the kind that I have and me and the kind that Amy had, um, there are. Uh, these two new medications, Verzenio and Ibrance, I take Verzenio. I promise this is not a uh, <laughs> sponsored But you look mention. so happy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, if they wanted to sponsor us, that would be just fine with me, Verzenio, if you're listening. Yeah, we'll donate all the money to stage four uh, research. That's right. Uh, so I think there's a hashtag for that. It's like f- hashtag stage four deserves more. Um, Check it out. Lots of cool activists using that hashtag. Um, So these drugs target genetic alterations that are more susceptible to, uh, to them. So you do a lot of genetic testing kind of when you're getting diagnosed. 
And my oncologist described the way that it works uh, as if you're imagining the cancer cells are each their own little birthday party with musical chairs seated all around the cell. The Verzenio sits in every single chair. So the cancer is out hmm. and has no place to sit and then gets the hell out of the Get party. out of here, cancer. Yes, indeed. Um, so that's cool. I'm glad to be on that, on that drug. But what was really cool, the, the coolest information that I found was about the HER2 positive, um, metastatic disease. And that is not me, um, not Amy either, right? You weren't HER2 positive. Um, but so they do this really cool thing. There's two new drugs just in the past year that have come out. Um, during the pandemic, which seems crazy to me, like those scientists were busting ass. What else are they going to be um, doing right now? They're just in there. I guess, studying right? Studying. Yeah, they've got their bubble yeah. of of a lab and they can just keep at they've it. they got a telescope. Um, they've got all, all they need. So this, um, this drug, it's an antibody drug conjugate. So it's a combo thing and they call it ADC and it combines chemo drugs with a really potent antibody that's cancer specific. And um, in this article, Dr. Bora Lim at MD Anderson in Houston, um, which for a long time when I was reading about it, I thought it was like Dr. Anderson mm -hmm. was <laughs> was like this real famous cancer there doctor. Is a but Dr. Anderson in Portland and people in my support group are always saying like, oh, I see Dr. Anderson. So I literally just realized that that was a different thing when I was reading something the other day too. So that's really <laughs> funny that you bring that up. I was like, oh, wait a minute. This is like its own separate thing. <laughs> you know, the famous MD Anderson. Anyway, it's a whole, it's a whole cancer facility. Um, and so Dr. Lim says that the head of the antibody binds to the receptor on the cancer cell creates a pocket that swallows the antibody. Then the tail part of the antibody, which contains the chemo drug, releases into the cancer cell like a bomb detonating. Mm -hmm. And I'm imagining like a really, a really violent tongue kiss. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> um, I, love I don't brain. know if that's accurate. It probably but... is. <laughs> It's like, I'm going to kiss you and then absorb your entire body and then blow up. I love it. So that's cool. That is I'm available cool. to write your copy yes. <laughs> for that for that new drug if you guys need an ad. Love it. Um, I know some good uh, cartoonists, illustrators that could probably do a real great depiction of that tongue kiss <laughs> scenario <laughs> signed sealed delivered send it off okay so in her in her too is a super effective one of these drugs and it's just i think um it started a trial in 2019 and i think it's just wrapping up in trials so these are so, all just for people that are metastatic yeah these are all um advanced uh disease drugs um, and so I don't know. I think it's nice actually, like I'm not in favor. I, I don't have any really nice things to say about quote unquote big pharma or whatever the way they market things. But I have to say it was kind of nice to have seen the name of the drug that I was going to be taking before I started taking it. Mm -hmm. 
because then I could have the images in my head of crones playing with their grandchildren and stuff like that. Yeah, totally. You know, one thing, somebody left a comment actually on one of your first Facebook posts announcing your staging and what was going on. And, and I can't remember exactly like how she said it. Cause you know, like one thing that a lot of us find annoying is how everybody wants to like tell you you're going to be fine or tell you that like you can do it girl or whatever. And it's like, people are just trying their best. Great. Whatever. But I actually thought this woman did kind of add a positive light, but it was like a really true angle that I hadn't really thought of, which is like, you have to think, keep in mind statistics are based on like the people who were diagnosed 10 years ago who are, you know, like, or however many years ago and what their treatments were. So like, you're going to starting off with like different treatments and these things that you're talking about, like who knows what the average, you know, prognosis will be for for people 10 years from now who are suddenly diagnosed like it really does change so I don't know I just thought I don't maybe you can remember how she worded it but I was just like oh yeah that's not based on yeah it's today. true that's and like my, what's going on today yeah and my oncologist said the exact same thing she said you know don't you dare look at survival rate statistics because number one that includes People who are on their third recurrence, women who are 80 years old, people who didn't follow instructions Mm -hmm. the last time they had breast cancer, um, people who have other underlying conditions. And obviously, all of those people deserve the very best care. And I hope that they live as long as they are comfortable and, you know, they're doing well. But uh, it's true that at 40, I have no other health problems and I'm really in a pretty decent position. So um, the meds that I am taking weren't available 10 years ago. And that's going to be true going forward. Um, And I hate to know this, but I'm sure you have thought about this too, especially as you've been like the cancer doula for everybody (laughs) getting diagnosed. (laughs) But um, I know that because it's one in eight women develop breast cancer, somebody I love who's pretty close to me will for sure Mm -hmm. be diagnosed at some point with breast cancer. And to be able to be the person who has been through it and can say, look, here's what they were doing back when I was diagnosed and look how much better things are now when you're diagnosed. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really meaningful place to be in. Yeah, maybe we could do like a whole collection of like things that we actually have heard that have been very helpful to keep in mind um, that maybe aren't like so on the surface of everybody's like general conversations that they have when they're diagnosed just to like know that, I don't know, if you have any of those, send them in too. Yes, please do. Yeah, for sure. Well, cool. That's all been very interesting to hear about medications coming out and what's been going on um let's oh also i would love to hear from researchers too you know if anybody has like an inside line you don't have to be a cancer person or a thriver or survivor Mm -hmm. (laughs) as is the parlance yeah um If you work in healthcare or, you know, you have a friend or a family member or, you know, whatever, we want to hear from you too. Yeah, totally. If you 
you know, if your partner has cancer and you're having trouble like navigating certain conversations with that person and you want to ask our advice, I think we would be good advice givers. I think so. Yeah. And if not, then you can just blame these two strangers that you don't know. That'd be nice to us because we have cancer. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) You don't have to be. (laughs) Oh, gosh. There is a lot to laugh about. You know. There is. There is. Can I tell you one thing, Amy? Please. Um, so we were talking about how uh, we think that after going into chemical menopause, mm-hmm. our aesthetics oh, had changed. Gosh. Well, first tell them we both turned 40 the very beginning of September. Our birthdays are like a few days apart, right? Yes. And then we both ended up having to get these shots that essentially I'm taking Zolodex. She's taking Lupron. Um and we started them like within a week of each other too. So yeah, yeah. So we're we're <laughs> we're menopause, uh, menopause sisters at at forty. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know that was cool. It was cool to have you to go through hot flashes with. <laughs> I I just like remember I was trying to desperately to make my appointment. You were like getting yours on a Thursday, and I was like I keep calling to try to get mine on a Thursday. <laughs> Just because I, like, think it would be funny if we, like, both had to do this on the same day. Like, you know, it's just, like, the little things that, like, bring you joy. It is. You yes. Know? <laughs> it's, it is absolutely the little yeah, things. I had to wait till like, Tuesday. But. Yeah. But then I got to give you the, the scoop on the first week or True. whatever. Okay. But what were you saying about the aesthetics? Come on. Okay. So I don't want to out you as someone no, do, who. Do. I have no secrets. Okay. So. It's fine. So Amy purchased what is actually a lovely bat wing mock turtleneck. Tell them for more. It's okay. From Costco. <laughs> um, and it looks great on her. It's a respectable blouse. I, you know, it's fine. It's I, out of character for me. I mean, nobody... I mean, maybe some people know me who are listening to this, but like, you know, I can pull off being a little bit cool. I mean, yeah, not, you're a you cool know, gal. Like, I like clothes. I like fashion, like whatever. But then, yeah, I texted stuff. I was like, do you think it's the menopause shots? And then I also bought something from Ann Taylor Loft, like literally the same week, which I had never done before. And I was like, yeah, taste changing. I'm like. LeMay, LeMay full, um, full gowns, like Golden Girls style yeah. is next, I think. But I wanted to tell you that, um, I just got this wild hair, uh, yesterday. <laughs> and I was thinking of you because I was like, you know what? I need to buy for myself. I need to go out and purchase a matching sweatsuit. Yes. <laughs> and I wanted a, um, crew neck sweatshirt and sweatpants. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted them to be the same color. Mm-hmm. And luckily, my partner was just like, okay, good luck. Did you get it? <laughs> and I, I got it. I did. So I, I went to Old Navy. There we go. Well, I'm going to get a matching one and I will wear it the next time we do a podcast and you will wear yours and we will just feel great It'll about be our, our lives. Yeah. Our team uniform. Yeah. I, I do think um, though, like, is there... If anybody knows, let us know. Is there something hormonal that happens where like suddenly I'm like looking for like 
brass and marble lamps on like Facebook marketplace and like, just like, I can't tell maybe it's the pandemic though. And it's, or maybe it is just like turning 40, like for all I know, like that's just what happens to people. But like, is there something hormonally where you're like, I just want really nice Christmas stockings for my daughter, you know, it's like, who am I? Um, yeah, I, I bought a, um, a real tablecloth. Mm-hmm. You're old. Like a nice, a nice linen tablecloth. Yeah, it's true. I think, I think it is. Let's blame the hormones because it couldn't possibly be our questionable taste. No, but I'm into it though. I'm like, I'm just feeling it. Yeah, I love this jogging suit. There we go. Whatever makes us happy. <laughs> Maybe we just got cancer and like don't give an F anymore. I think that is a distinct possibility. (laughs) Well, I guess maybe that's just like our first episode. What do you say? I think that's it. Um, We don't have a snappy send off yet. And we'll think of one. We'll think of like some quirky things, you know, that like that might just happen. You know, you might not expect them, but we'll just be talking. And then suddenly one of us will say something funny you guys are gonna love it i can't wait for that to happen yeah it's got to be organic it's got to be organic we just can't plan it um well thank you for tuning in um we are going to record a batch of these and hopefully at least put out the first four maybe five once a week so if this is out in the public that means that we are ready to release another one next week so you can subscribe Um, Yes. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening. And my name is Amy. And my name is Steph. See ya. Bye-bye. Cancer for Breakfast is hosted by Amy Diles and Stephanie Lejeunesse and produced by Nathan McGeehee. Our theme music is written and performed by Vivivir. Find us at cancerforbreakfast.com, Instagram at cancerforbreakfast, and email at cancerforbreakfast at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for listening.